Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Rakuten is the online shopping platform that rewards you for shopping. They are the smartest way to shop and save, with cash back when you shop at thousands of merchants. You can earn cash back at over 3,500 merchants. You can shop merchants in every single category, like fashion, beauty, electronics, dining, and so much more. You can even earn cash back on subscription services and travel. Membership is free, and it's super simple to sign up. Once you are signed up and start shopping, Rakuten deposits your cash back directly into your PayPal account, or they can even send you a check. Rakuten already has 15 million members who are saving. It's a no-brainer. Earn cash back while you shop. Start all of your shopping trips at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app and start saving today. Mirror man, mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a solo edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm here on my own again. I didn't organise things. Life is busy. Uh, but we're keeping up the tradition of trying to get at least one podcast out a week. In fact... I think that I'm actually ahead of the game because uh, I lost my mind a few weeks ago and did three in one week. Uh, so I could have taken today off. But I, I thought Arsenal won a game. And it feels like an eternity since we last won a game. Um, Freddie Lundberg looked great uh, on the sidelines. Despite those despicable suits that uh, the Arsenal players and, uh, and, and coaching staff have to wear, they really are... An abomination, but Freddie Lundberg could make a bin bag look great, and he certainly looked good on the touchlines yesterday. And I also thought there's so much going on at Arsenal at the moment. There's so much noise in the air. Everybody trying to throw um, their best foot forward um, with their manager, whether that's a super agent, whether that's journalists just trying to make a little bit of a name for themselves. Um, so we're going to try and decipher. Well, not we. Um, I am going to try and decipher through some of the goings-on that are happening at Arsenal at the moment. But I think the 
the first place to start is uh, is Freddie Lindbergh's beleaguered tenure um, at Arsenal. His first two games were a little bit shit. Um, I think there are a few things that we have to consider. Um, firstly, Freddie is picking up a squad that was broken by Arsene Wenger over the course of 10 years. Um, I think that particularly the the Arsene Wenger apologists of yesteryear uh, are clamouring to this idea now that it was Emery that broke Arsenal. And you know, two parts here. Yes, Emery made Arsenal worse. I think that it's very difficult to absolve a manager who spent 200 million in 18 months of responsibility when it comes to the state we're in at the moment. But I think when you boil it down with Emery, he was a weak character. Um, If he had uh, a different vision of the sort of players we should have been signing, his voice clearly wasn't respected. Um, If he... um, Oh, I, it's, it's, it's actually really difficult to absolve memory of anything. The guy made Granite Jacker, his, his captain, after watching him clunk around the pitch for an entire season. So I have absolutely no sympathy for Emery. He's just a, not a very good manager. I, I think a, a lot of his success, um, you know, I think severe, you know, Europa League, great. But uh, ultimately, as we've experienced as Arsenal fans... Once you get, you know, getting to the last four is not a problem. Um, and then you can ride your luck to get to the final. And then at PSG, I mean, let's be real. Who Who isn't winning the league at PSG apart from Unai Emery, which should have been a massive watch out. Anyway, I digress. The original point is that Arsene Wenger tanked the culture of the club. Arsene Wenger spent a horrendous amount of money on some extremely average players. Uh, Mustafi... Granite Jacker, Lucas Perez. Uh, he mollycoddled Meza Ozil to the point now where he's almost useless at 31 years of age. We cannot forget that. Um, but Unai Marie did his fair bit of damage. I think um, we were a weak culture before he took over, but he came in, absolutely no game plan, no ability to communicate. Uh, complete car crash behind the scenes. Um, he, he deserved to go, but now we just have to accept with Freddie Lundberg, it's it's not going to be uh, go, go, go from the off. I don't think that he is the future of Arsenal, but I certainly think he's uh, he's a brilliant man. I think the fans love him, uh, and I just think he's carrying himself with so much class. Um, I love listening to him talk. You know, he's very softly spoken. Um, you can see that he absolutely loves Arsenal. But more to the point... He goes out of his way to make sure the players take full credit. Um, You know, for me, the West Ham game today was, you know, that was that was a Freddie that was a Freddie Lundberg experience. And after the game, he was like, "No, no, 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 I'm, I'm just here to like to to give them a little bit of guidance along the way." And I just thought, "Wow, that's a that's a that's a classy guy right there." He's enjoying the limelight at the moment. No doubt, he'll get. a good management job at some point. Um, probably, probably not this one. But um, you know, he's he's still he's still very young. Um, still got a long way to go. But um, you know, my point. Back to it. Freddie Lundberg picking up an absolute car crash, a, a double car crash of uh, uh, Wenger um, reversing into him, 
Unai Emery shunting him at 90 mile an hour on the M25. And I think another relevant point the, that was raised to me, uh, somebody sliding into my DMs um, late last night, was that Freddie Lundberg actually doesn't have any coaching staff. Uh, from, from what I understand, Unai Emery managed to squeeze nine of his backroom team um, in at Arsenal. I think you remember Ivan Gazidis talking about the, the future of, of, of football and not allowing the manager to gain control of the infrastructure. Didn't do a good job of Unai Emery, let all his mates in, um, but all his mates were shipped out at the same time. And the only person that Freddie's been allowed to bring on board is, uh, is the big fucking German. But as you'll know, the big fucking German is not very experienced as a coach either. So really, Freddie Lundberg is picking up a disaster of a squad. He's having to learn on the job. And the club obviously aren't going to fund any of his coaching whims over the next few weeks. So a lot of this is really, you know, it's all on his shoulders. And that's a big job for any manager to come in and, and, and lift a club that's in such a disastrous space at the moment. So... Full credit to Freddie for an excellent job at West Ham today. Um, the the start of the game was diabolical. I don't think I've ever witnessed professional footballers of of, of that talent looking so lost. I mean, I, I kind of hoped that the the lineup that he picked would shape things up. Um, Freddie went out of his way to say that he was putting the responsibility of form on his most senior players um, because he didn't want to throw kids, basically throw kids under the bus and expect them to be able to pick up the mess. I mean, he's inexperienced himself. Like he's feeling what he's feeling that pressure right now. Don't think that he wanted to put Saka and Martinelli and start them. Um, and it's actually kind of the, the route, the uh, route I'm saying route these days, How embarrassing. Um, it's kind of the route that, um, Unai Emery took when he first joined. You know, he didn't play Torreira. He played all the old players. He didn't play Bern Leno from the start. It's it's a political play. The biggest players in the dressing room um, are, you you know, make or break when it comes to, like, spirit and culture within the club. So his first two games, he gave them a chance. They didn't do particularly well. So he made some tweaks against West Ham. He brought Martinelli in on the left and uh, that was uh, that was exciting. We also got to see um, Lucas Torreira, who uh, I thought had a good game. David Luis was uh, was dropped to the bench. Uh, he really hasn't had a, a good start to his Arsenal career. Great player in his day, but like once you lose that half a yard of pace, it really is difficult um, at the highest level, um, especially with some of the the pacey strikers that we've been up against of late. Um, but uh, and then to to add a add disaster um, to the situation, he lost Hector Bellerin before the game, and then he lost Kieran Tierney during the game um, with what looks like a, a dislocated shoulder. Really, really horrible to uh, to see a player that's fought so hard to come back from injury and has looked brilliant. I mean, his delivery um, really does send shivers down my spine um, after watching Kalasanak. Uh, head down, smash it low and, and hope for the best um, for the last uh, 18 months. But uh, like we lost those two. Spirit was low in the team, could barely make a five-yard pass. 
went a goal down, like horribly clumsy goal. And guess who was at the base of the problem? As usual, it's Granite Jacker. Uh, I cannot believe that we gave him the captaincy. He's an absolute coward on the pitch. He didn't want to put his head near uh, incoming feet and body mass. And um, there was nothing Leno could do about the deflected goal. And uh, and I think a lot of Arsenal fans, if they were home season ticket holders, they would have been uh, probably not ripping their season tickets apart. It's quite difficult to rip plastic um, apart. But they definitely would have reached for a, for a pair of scissors if they could because it really was diabolical. It looked like end of days. I've never seen a group of professional players look so utterly, utterly depressed and out of ideas, but the second half came. I don't know what Freddie said at half time, but I'd imagine from his uh, his general demeanour in press conferences and watching him at training, it wasn't uh, it wasn't shouting. It wasn't outrageous. He definitely looks like he's uh, he's more of an Arsene Wenger character in the dressing room. But whatever he said, I tell you, the players went out in the second half. The passes started happening, and. Uh, and and things started to drop for Arsenal. And let's be honest, the game uh, the game was a lot of possession, um, but a real, real lack of creativity, which is incredibly worrying. Um, but uh, at least our possession stats are going up, starting to look a little bit more uh, like the Arsenal of old. Um, I'm, I'm sure that Freddie's got plans to to introduce a bit more creativity to the side. But the creativity did come, and it came from Meza Özil. Releasing Kalasanak on the on the uh, on the overlap. I don't even know if it was the overlap. I mean, I guess it must have been to a certain degree. Um, he played in uh, Martinez. Martinez made up quite a, a lot of ground. I mean, he's explosive over over ten yards. He made up the ground and then slotted home um, on his Premier League debut. Uh, a brilliant goal. I loved his celebration. I, I've just got the, I've just got a real thing for um, for Martinelli. It's almost unhealthy. Um, maybe unethical because he's so young, but I love watching him play. He's the, he, you know, he's, he's he's the all action modern centre forward. He's fit. He's a terrier. He never gives up. Like he wants to press. Like if everybody in the Arsenal team pressed like Gabriel Martinelli, my God, we'd be a force um, to be reckoned with. Um, so he he got us off. He got us off to a flyer, and then it was like something clicked. It was uh, the passing came back, um, the confidence, um, some of the little flicks and tricks of yesteryear. It was um, it was like the players were were reborn. And uh, if there is one player that kind of sums up the lack of confidence at Arsenal, it's got to be Nicolas Pepe. I mean, it, I spent quite a bit of time watching uh, Lille last season and the guy was electric and, you know, he had um, twists, tricks, like he was great running with the ball and uh, and that left foot was absolutely devastating. Uh, but we haven't seen it this year and it's, um, you know, part of it is being in a shit setup. Part of it is uh, moving into a, a faster league. Part of it is learning the language, learning your team your new teammates, and um, uh, we were wondering when the goal was going to come, but uh, he he picked up the ball. Some great work uh, between him and Obama Yang, a cheeky little back heel. Um, he was given far too much time by um, the West Ham defenders. Um, they allowed him to cut outside, and then he just let venom loose on that shot. Like I, I thought the ball was going to burst the back of the net, 
um, like in the top corner, like top, top, top class goal. Um, my God, did he uh, did he enjoy that? Like that was a real, real release. That was uh, that was a, a big middle finger to the bad form that he's had over the last um, over the last three months, and hopefully. That's the start of us seeing the real Pepe. I know that um, Freddie Lundberg had some strong words about, um, you know, the Ivorian. It, you know, obviously wasn't working well in training. Um, maybe there was a, a you know a lack of motivation. But whatever Freddie's done in the in the in, in, the, in the last couple of weeks, it certainly seems to have worked because um, a little bit later on, he was there chipping a, a, a delightful ball into. Obama Yang, who kind of like scuffed his volley um, into the ground, um, but over uh, over the keeper for the third. So Arsenal finished the game 3-1. The final whistle went, my God, did West Ham empty out that stadium quickly. Um, Their fans absolutely not enjoying life um, in a 60,000-seater stadium. Embarrassing to see uh, fans known for their passion and their um, over-the-top, sort-of-the-earth support streaming out on 65 minutes or whatever it was. Um, but Freddie Lundberg gets a win away from home. Um, I, I saw somebody tweet that that was the first, uh, the first game that we've come back from, a, from being a goal down to win in, uh, away from home in something like eight years. An absolutely disgusting statistic but it is what it is um and now we've got a bit of confidence back um, freddie seems happy the squad seem happy um, they're feeling united they're excited next up a mauling is coming at the hands of uh, manchester city at home uh, i feel like that's going to be hide behind the sofa like territory but you know what i i think the the there's a lot of big names that talk about the state of the squad at Arsenal. And I just can't buy into this, you know, we're a a relegation level squad. I just, I just don't, I just don't believe it. You know, this time last year, we just come off the back of um, playing Leicester. Meza Ozil, I believe, had had an absolute blinder. The whole squad looked fantastic. And uh, Leicester looked shit. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people were saying, you know, that, you know, let's not get too excited about this game. Leicester are not a good side. Leicester have finished sub 50 points um, for the for the last three seasons. Uh, and now they're second because they're being coached better. Don't tell me that our players can't match them. Our squad can't match Leicester. I just I just don't buy it. Sure. You know, Jamie Vardy is a, is a great striker, but like Aubameyang is one of the most clinical strikers in the world and he's currently negotiating a deal with uh, Real Madrid. Um, don't tell me that Aubameyang isn't a top, top, top striker. I think Martinelli is one of the hottest young players in, uh, in the Premier League. Uh, if Nicolas Pepe regains form, that's an unbelievably formidable front three. And then you've got players... Uh, that are sitting in behind them, like Saka, um, like with his blistering pace. Um, you know, if if I, I, th- I think the 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 big struggle that we've got against um, a team like Leicester is just the lack of athleticism in the middle of the park. But I think that, I still think that there's an opportunity for 
um, Freddie Lundberg to set the midfield properly and play people in their correct positions and do something about Granite Jacker, like get Gwendozi playing with a um, a bit more focus. Um, you know, it runs around like a headless chicken and it looks good, um, it, you know, sometimes, but most of the time it doesn't. Like get him to calm down, control um, his positioning. You know, he's a he's a much more of an athlete than than you think. And if you position Torreira well, like I, I don't see any reason why we're not. You know, just think that like, three months ago we were talking about Arsenal having a top three squad, and now people are saying, you know, this is barely top half of the table. And I, I just think that that is a, an underestimation of the talent, and I, I just think that we're overlooking the impact of having a manager that has not been able to communicate his vision for eighteen months, and the divide that you get in a dressing room when people are going into work and they're not really enjoying what's going on. So I think that um, that Freddie Lundberg probably not going to take us to the promised land, but, you know, like... Think back to some of the games that um, Unai Emery played. I mean, we weren't incredible against the top six by any stretch, but I at least felt that we were a little bit more competitive when Emery was um, having a good run. Um, and I, I, you know, Manchester City, fantastic side. Um, I think that they've had a lot of bad luck this season, but they're certainly out of sorts at the moment. So, you know, whilst I'm not, whilst I'm not. Hope, whilst I don't believe that there's there's going to be a victory, you know, there's every chance that we could put in um, uh, a resolute performance, and maybe we'll shut up shop. You know, maybe there'll be an interesting strategy that the Arsenal can actually activate against. Um, maybe Freddie Lundberg can show a bit more of a pragmatic side, or maybe Freddie Lundberg's just going to go there and play to our strengths, which is um, you know a, a lightning quick front three. Um, and then just try and work out like how do we unleash that creativity whilst giving ourselves a solid defensive base. Um, but whatever happens, um, I just really cannot help but love um, Freddie Lundberg. I just think that the class that he's shown over the last three games, the way that he uh, the way that he talks in the media, like he's calm, um, he's not um, uh, overly reactive, and. You know, I am, I'm sorry for all of the people that take great offence to an Englishman picking holes in a foreigner that speaks bad English. But this is elite sport, my friends. And if you can't, uh, if you can't adjust um, the word evening in 18 months, you're not cut out for the Premier League. But listening to um, Freddie speak it and the eloquence and the words that he uses i mean it's you know you've, you've gone from listening to like a six-year-old um a six a, a, a sixth grader uh level of english to somebody that or you know just sounds like a posh londoner in, in my opinion and it's uh it's refreshing and uh, a few people pointed out you know freddie uh freddie lundberg is is talking to the players when uh players are down injured like he's talking to them it's a conversation you don't see that look of confusion or meza Ozil's face when he's getting instructions uh from the manager um, but I, I i do think though before um we move on to who will be the next manager of arsenal um I, you know granite jacker I, I i do think that we've got to move him on in january i think arsenal have got to find um a solution um, to to that position, and though there's, uh, I, you know, I won't embarrass myself with the uh, with the name of the guy who's um, 
Leipzig, uh, well, not Leipzig, sorry, Salzburg, I can't say it, um, but the hipsters out there will know it, but you know, I've been watching videos of him. Uh, he looks super exciting. Um, don't tell me that we can't find a mobile powerhouse um, to sit in that midfield for the next six months. Maybe we can find someone on loan. And, you know, the thing is, like, just don't overcomplicate it. Like, I, I don't think that it needs to be a super sexy player. It just needs to be someone that's got some balls, somebody that can do the basics really well. Uh, maybe someone with a bit of experience, um, you know, just to think a few years ago, I was talking up uh, the potential of Johnny Evans joining Arsenal, you know, like he had uh, a, a lot of great experience um, got pushed out of Man United, um, but he wasn't trendy and he wasn't cool. Now look at him, you know, he's playing for Leicester City. He went there for like three and a half million um, he's got a lot of Premier League experience and he's doing a good job. Like look at some of the players, um, at the, at the smaller clubs, um, like putting in shifts at the moment. I think the the English lower leagues have got a lot to offer um, the Premier League, as we've seen time and time again. And the you know those those unfashionable Scottish, Irish, English, and Welsh names are starting to do exciting things in the Premier League. And I, I don't think that we can overlook you know just a, a cheap, quick fix that will get us over the line. So. Um, yeah, Granit Jacker for me finished and like arguably, I mean, like Meza Ozil is just so anonymous in these games. I know that he pops up with that flash of brilliance, but um, I just don't think he's built for the Premier League um, anymore, or, I, 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 or at least not for um, at least not for this moment in time. And uh, I do think I, you know, I was looking up. Um, something that excited me a lot. There's, there's, a, there's a few players going into the final year of their deals this summer. Um, David Luiz, Mustafi, Meza Ozil, and Kalasanak. And I think um, arguably, oh, and, and so, uh, Socrates. And I think arguably all of those should probably be moved on in the summer. That puts nearly a million, a million pounds a week back on the wage bill. Like, you can do some serious damage with that. And as long as Arsenal don't lose their minds next summer and invest that money in, um, you know, in superstar, kind of superstar players that, like, you, you know, could potentially give you more value. You know, I don't think we need to go out and sign £80 million Pepe's. I think that we should be trying to, uh, you know, play in that market that Dortmund do before Dortmund get there. Like, build the future around young players. But... Um, regardless, I think there's a lot of players that will shift on in the summer. And, and the reason that I think that they won't wait until the last year of their deal is that a lot of them are in their 30s now. And, you know, one bad Achilles um, injury, you know, you, you look at Obama Yang, like going into the last year of his deal, if he fucks his Achilles and le- he loses that lethal pace, he is not getting a move to Real Madrid. And even David Luiz, I mean, you know, he's uh, he'll be, I believe, thirty three next summer. Like, just look at um, the way Koscielny reacted this summer when he wouldn't get his move away because they these guys know one bad injury and then you're not getting that three year deal in Bordeaux and getting the ability to retire to a slower league um, in France. And I think that that will play heavily on their minds. I mean, I've I, I no idea what Mustafi's doing. I mean, like, I think he'll be 28 next summer. Um, he's never going to get 90 grand a week anywhere else. But, I mean, if we can sell him for a low enough price, um, 
you know, maybe something can happen there. My my big concern, as always, is, you know, what will Raul do? I mean, um, th- th- this is a guy that wanted to extend Unai Emery's deal for some unknown reason um, in the summer. So, like, y- y- you can never be too sure, but, uh, you know, whose family appears to be taking a more prominent role on the football side of things. Um, hopefully he sees the players for what they are. And hopefully they, some of these guys are starting to see the um, the mistakes that they've made over the last year, the expensive mistakes. Arsenal having a £230 million wage bill is a fucking, <laughs> it's an abomination. The value that we're getting out of that makes me sick. Um, you, know, I'd, you know, we should be reducing our bill by... 50, 60 million, we should be investing, our, you know, all of our pennies in a, in a more um, exciting, young, um, energetic, passionate group of players. I mean, I know that everybody's losing their minds over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but, you know, they really made Manchester City look old. Um, there's so much power and pace in that side. I mean, if, if they got the right manager in charge, I mean, like, I would fear what a Pochettino would do. Um, with some of those players in that squad. I mean, they, they really could be devastating, but, you know, I, I know that Frank Lampard is having some problems, but, you know, there's a lot of energy in in that Chelsea side and they're a, they're a lovable setup. And I, I would just much rather us move away from, like, signing in players like David Luiz when we should have been signing in, you know, players that Leicester are looking at, like Sionchu, um in central defence. I mean, I have no idea why we didn't move for him last year. Um, but hopefully Edu can get his scouting um, radar back on and bring us more Martinelli's and Guendozies and 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 leave leave the dross um, to to other clubs like uh, I don't know like an Everton who incredibly are in talks with Unai Emery, um, Farad Mashiri, um definitely looking like a good dodge for Arsenal. I am not jealous of what's going on there, but. You know the 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 bigger worry further down the line for Arsenal is that um, Everton are going to happen uh, upon a good manager at some point, and they're going to you know twig that they perhaps need to get a, a good sporting director and a good um, chief scout, and then maybe things will start to drop for them. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's super important that we that we get our next signing right and that we ship out the dross in the summer and like really reset um, and, and have a good vision moving forward. And on that note, I will be back in part two to talk about the managerial merry-go-round. And we are back. We are, oh, I keep on saying we. I'm sitting opposite a glass of wine um, and that will be my companion for the rest of the evening. So um, I think that there's a lot of stuff going on at Arsenal uh, at the moment. Uh, an absolutely pivotal moment in uh, the history of the club. Get the next move wrong and um, we really are going to head to a, a rock bottom scenario that nobody really wants to be a part of. Um, I think it's horrible to look at all the empty seats in the stadium. You know, people that are spending their hard-earned cash can't even motivate themselves to go to the game. But the deeper problem um, with the empty seats is that that means that people can't give away their tickets. That means that the Arsenal brand is diminishing um, in the eyes of the locals. And in this global content game, um, 
where you need uh, eyes on your product. Uh, you know, Arsenal having a bad product while other teams, you know, build to exciting uh, squads of players and put on, um, you know, put on a, a much more efficient show of football. You know, it's not good for the future. Uh, you know, the, you see Amazon sniffing around um, the the Premier League TV rights. I think that it is only a matter of time before you can buy a, a season ticket um, via your Amazon Prime or Apple or Facebook or Netflix or whoever wants to go there and watch every single game. And then you really are in a situation where if you can't sell your digital season tickets, then you're going to lose out to teams that um, that can sell more of them. So I think it's um, I think it's vitally important that our next five years aren't a massive shit show. And sure, there are lots of problems at Arsenal. I think Raul is uh, is is looking like a bit of a charlatan at the moment. Um, I don't think he's particularly um, impressive. I think he's made some horrendous decisions. I think he's tried to push the club into. Um, into a, a, a very gross sort of like Chelsea early Abramovich years when money started to flood into the game and super agents were pigs at the trough. Um, I, I think a lot of big clubs try to move away from that. Some big clubs stack, you know, stuck with the super agent model, um, and I don't think it's um, I don't think it's worked particularly well. I mean, you've only got to look at the damage Raiola has done uh, Manchester United. I mean, he's sold them some pups. Uh, and you know, I, I just don't see the the model um, the, of Arsenal as a, a you know a, how can I describe it? Like I, I don't want to be like a, a bottom feeder club. I don't want to have to cycle players through where you're like, well, who the fuck is that? You know, why didn't they play any games? Why are they being loaned out? And you know, you've only got to look at that Nuno link that you know came from uh, Raul to see where Arsenal could have been heading. And, you know, Valencia under Nuno was not good. The fan, you know, he took, he took, uh, took Valencia to the Champions League and the fans still hated him because they, you know, there's nothing more disgusting than being controlled by something that, uh, that looks murky, that, that smells horrible. Um, and like, ultimately, uh, super agents never have the best interests of the club at heart. They have, no skin in the game. They're not accountable for results. The only thing that they give a fuck about is the fees. And, you know, sure, a lot of these super agents have big-name players on their books, uh, but we're not at the the level um, to to be signing Delit or uh, any of those, like, superstars coming through. I mean, when you hear that um, Raiola is potentially hunting down 100 million Euro fee for um, for Haaland at Salzburg. I mean, it's it's fucking. I mean, it's it, it doesn't look. It's it's not how football should be run. You know the word that I'm looking for. You know the uh, the the word like oh uh, you know I can't say it. I don't want to get sued, but it just looks so fucking awful. It looks really really disgusting, and the 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 notion that Arsenal would head down that path. Um, after some of the signings that happened this summer. I mean, David Luiz came completely out of the blue via Kia. That's not worked out. Um, Nicolas Pepe, I mean, you know, like what were the agent fees on that deal? You know, why didn't Napoli go there? Why didn't Liverpool go there? Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, we should be um, we should be listening to Sven and Sven, 
Sven knew the uh, the this this approach to um, to football wasn't right, and uh, you know I, I, I've heard through uh, through certain channels that um, Sven raised the alarm about um, you know this approach to football and how it you know it wasn't going to progress the club forward, and. Uh, I think that I think that he was right. Like football should be based on data. It should be based on human insight, um, and you know, signing players should be largely about value. You know, if you know, I, I, I can see why Arsenal um, shot for a big name superstar signing like Pepe. I mean, you've seen uh, you've seen uh, the, the the price range of like a Dembele. You know, he goes to Dortmund for a huge fee. And then he's, you know, he's off to Barcelona for 140 million. Like there is definitely sense in signing big name players, but the the idea that Arsenal squad needed an 80 million pound winger last summer, I, I mean, I think it was a, it was at best just a a, a really um, misjudged thought. I mean, we needed a centre back, we needed a, a powerhouse midfielder. We certainly could have um, stretched the value in the market and found ourselves a wide man for maybe less money than Pepe. And who knows? Maybe that maybe that price will um, work out well. But it certainly didn't look good. Anyway, I am uh, I, I'm going off point. Um, my point is that I don't want to. I don't want anybody associated with super agent managers associated with super agents. Uh, Pereira, um, who according to reports has been interviewed by Arsenal. Um, Taking the coach of Shanghai doesn't have a nice ring to it. Um, uh, Pereira, just for um, just for you, he uh, he was assistant to uh, Vias Boas, uh, AVB um, at Porto when he was I don't know if, uh, I think he was quite a bit older than I think he was ten years older than Vias Boas who um, who went on to you know win the league there. Uh, he took over, lasted um, a little more than a, a season. And he's been a journeyman since. Uh, he's a Kia. Uh, he's a he's a Kia recommendation. Um, uh, Nuno is obviously uh, a super agent uh, suggestion. I think that a lot of the guys coming out of Spain have obviously got ties. Um, I've seen heavy links to Marcelino, um, who, you know, on, on the face of it, uh, did a good job at Villarreal and uh, Valencia. Um, good evening. Uh, but uh, you know, again, he's a he's a bit of a journeyman. He's uh, very new to the language, doesn't understand um, the culture in the UK. And from uh, from whispers I've heard, um, he himself is aware that uh, the the lack of experience in the UK and maybe being uh, you know Spanish might not work for him in uh, in this instance and when i say spanish i mean literally coming from uh, from spain because there's obviously another spaniard um who's sniffing around the arsenal job who you know arguably has uh, has a better experience of the premier league in general um so and i think the other thing to consider with uh, managers like marcelino is he's coming from a from a league where you know he's probably earning like 2 2 and a half million uh, he's to be considered by Arsenal probably puts a lot of money on whatever his potential salary could be at Everton. Like he's going from uh, 2 million a year to potentially 6 million. 
that's an absolutely huge bump. So to so uh, I I think the more likely destination for him is Everton. It feels slightly more his level. And I think just when you look at the you know I don't think it's particularly difficult to make the top four in Spain when you've got a fair amount of money. I mean, Emery made top top four three times with um, Valencia. Um, he qualified, I think, I'm not sure that he made the top four when he was with Sevilla. I think that was more, um, he got there through his wins in the Europa League. But I, I don't think the, um, I don't think the Spanish league is, particular, uh, is particularly uh, competitive um, outside um, the top two, really. I mean, Atleti did a good job for a few years, but um, I think, you know, really anything below the the, the, the top three is kind of always going to be also Rans. So uh, bringing him in after learning language, uh, after learning language, I just think it feels like a, another Emery-like risk. And knowing that Unai Emery also has outsmarted him before, and probably has the better CV. I think that that's a hard pass for me. I think the one uh, the one manager that really is one to watch because um, you know I saw an interview of him in Spanish um, the other day, and when he was asked about the Arsenal job, he certainly didn't rule it out with any aggression. So um, I think things to consider with Pochettino. Firstly, how badly does he feel fucked over by? Daniel Levy is uh, the first one. So we don't know what that deal is. We don't know how the um, exit strategy went. Um, We don't know how humanely he was treated during that process. Secondly, how keen is he to get back into football management? Um, You know, he said that, you know, he doesn't need much of a rest. I mean, he's fairly young. Um, um, He's at the top of his game. He's going to want to get back into a club pretty quickly. And there are no guarantees of where he might go. I know that um, there were some quotes for, uh, from the Times um, that had him talking about maybe t- having an adventure in Europe. So there's that consideration. But, you know, the simple reality of, uh, of, of European football is the Premier League is the place to be. It's where the most money is. It's where the best players are. Where the most exciting football is, and I think the other consideration that you've got with um, Pochettino, like he's based in London. I mean, imagine um, what the chances of you getting fired from a, a semi, you know, up and coming club in North London, and then the prestige job comes up, and it's just down the road. You know, his family is here. I believe that his son w- was working as a sports scientist at Spurs. Like one of his sons is like a winger. Um, I'm sure that his wife is settled in London. Um, it's it's uh, it's convenient. I'm probably get a pretty big salary. Uh, Arsenal could uh, could keep a bunch of his coaching staff. So um, there's the convenience side of it. Um, but I, I think the the big the big difficulty is that you know you saw Arsenal release their uh, their financials and they weren't good. I mean, we made a 23 million. Um, 23 million pound loss this season. Um, the the club, you know, is like partly rumored that the reason that we didn't get rid of Unai Emery was because we didn't want to pay out his staff um, like a fairly paltry amount. Um, so, uh, two things that you've got um, got to take into account: um, Daniel Levy is a shrewd operator. 
there's no doubt going to be a cost that Arsenal will have to cover, uh, much in the same way that you know Brendan Rodgers had a fourteen million pound buyout clause. Um, I would imagine the Spurs will come with a, a cost. You know, just say it's just say it's ten million. So you've got your ten million cost there. Then you have another cost, which is his salary. Um, if Mourinho is picking up fifteen million pounds a year at Spurs, um, a manager that made the Champions League is not going to be looking for. Um, I'm going to be looking for far off that. I mean, just say it's 12 million. So you've got 22 million cost for a manager. And that's for a club that's pulled next year's Champions League money, uh, next year's uh, transfer money um, into this season. Arsenal took a huge gamble. Um, So, you know, you're eating into potential transfer funds. So all of a sudden, Pochettino looks very, very expensive. Um, So, you know, the question is, do Arsenal want to move... um, uh, for a manager who, let's be honest, I mean, he's as close to a guaranteed hit as you get. Uh, I don't think there would be any arguments in the fan base about bringing on a manager of that caliber. Um, but, uh, you know, if it comes down to expense, we know that Stan Kroenke likes to run a tight ship. Um, and, you know, big question marks, you know, do they want to take, uh, do they want to take that risk? Um, and I, th- I think, the, you know, the final final point is Matt made an interesting uh, observation that hiring a manager based on revenge might not always be the best um, the best way to go about things. So uh, I, I think he'd be a good hire. Um, I think he is uh, an incredible coach, definitely top five in the world for me. Um, I think that surely he's going to have his eye on that PSG job um, in the summer if, if that comes up. And then I think that moves me on to the second uh, sort of big name consideration um, you always have to look where these rumours come from. Um, Roberto Martinez was considered by uh, by Arsenal. I would suspect that his agent put his name forward. Arsenal's uh, inexperienced group of execs probably just panicked, um, uh, saw some of the World Cup performance and thought he'd be worth having a chat. Um, I think he'd be an absolutely diabolical hire. But with Roberto Martinez... You know that it's his people that put that story into the press because being linked to Arsenal is the win. Um, the interesting story that is coming out in the press, and I've seen a lot of it. My my man, Thomas Tuchel. Um, I think he's uh, a genius. I think he's uh, an exciting manager. I think some of the edges um, have been sanded down um, since his um, kind of humiliating exit from Borussia Dortmund. You know, he's grown into the role. Um, I think he's got PSG playing some great football this season. I think he's got a strong vision. He's working with a really, really tough dressing room over there. I mean, you've only got to see Mbappe ignoring him coming off the bench. You know, he's done a lot of good stuff from Mbappe. He's playing some great football under him. Um, but the story that he's being linked with Arsenal should the worst happen at the end of the season is interesting because you know, where does that come from? I wonder um, if that has come from his people um, because he knows um, that it's going to be difficult to keep that job without winning the Champions League this season. Um, and he, his people are sending a message to the Arsenal hierarchy, wait until the end of the season and see what happens. Um, I think that you know we, we also saw a very similar thing with um, Brendan Rodgers. I think Brendan Rodgers was... Um, very, you know, very interested in the Arsenal job. His people leaked to the to the press that Arsenal was his dream job. I believe that that was absolutely um, factual. Richard Keyes acting as some sort of surrogate uh, uh, 
PR specialist um, said that he'd had a conversation with him and that Brendan Rodgers had explicitly said his dream job was Arsenal. I think Brendan Rodgers is a bit of a like a bit of a party boy. I think he's a bit of a Soho House type of guy. Uh, so, you know, I've worked in Leicester. I worked in Leicester for five years. Got to tell you, the uh, the party scene in Leicester is not comparable to London. So the the idea of him moving to London must be really exciting. You know, great restaurants, uh, great bars, great scene, um, higher profile, um, you know, elite living. So that's going to appeal to him. But I think that he, he must have been aware of the optics. You know, he's done a fantastic job with um, with Leicester. He he really, really is a brilliant coach. You know, he's not everybody's cup of tea. I spoke about him before, um, uh, you know, before we hired Unai Emery. You know, like, he, he's got a solid body of work. Um, I think there are always questions over his character. Like, he has some oddities in his personality. No doubt we'll remember the three-envelope trick that he did um, when he was uh, Liverpool. But look, that Liverpool side played some beautiful football um they were spectacular they destroyed teams in the opening 20 minutes and then he lost um you know some superstar players and he he didn't recover and you know he he was out the door um pretty quickly you know obviously rubbed some people up the wrong way um but then he went to Celtic and delivered an invincible season and I don't care what anybody says it doesn't matter what league you're in motivating people to play over 38 games um, and keep their concentration is a massive, massive achievement. And he did a he did an absolutely brilliant job there. And now he's picked up the ropes at Leicester. Like this is a team that has finished sub fifty points for the last three seasons, and they're in second place. Like, is that going to last? Who knows? But look, that football is 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 fun to watch. They're disciplined. The players like him, and he's definitely calmed down some of the oddities. I, you know, I quite like listening to him in press conferences. He's not uh, he's not the cringe bag he once was, and uh, you know he'd be a great hire. But um, he's obviously signed a new deal. He's got himself some more money. But you know, I, I, I don't know what's in that contract. But it wouldn't surprise me if he put a stipulation in there that said, "If Arsenal come in for me, um, you waive the fee because that's my dream job." Um, you know, there must have been some negotiation there because uh, Arsenal aren't going to pay 14 million uh, for a manager in the state that they're in. There, you know, there are some considerations for Brendan Rodgers as well. I mean, like, arguably, he's got a much better setup. I keep on saying arguably. Um, he's got a, a better setup at Leicester at the moment. Arsenal are a complete shit show, but, you know, as I keep on telling people on Twitter that say that we're not an attractive proposition, that is an absolute load of nonsense. Arsenal are always going to be one of the most attractive propositions in the world. We've got a £230 million wage bill. We've got state-of-the-art training facilities. We are based in London. We fill out the stadium most weeks, 60,000 people. Um, uh, It's got prestige. We've won things in the past. There's a brand. Like, the global fan base is unbelievable. Like, to, to be the man that puts the first Premier League into Arsenal, like, that's a... That's the dream. And look, Liverpool were in an absolute state when Jurgen Klopp took over. Uh, you know, he, he took over a far worse squad um, than than Freddie Lundberg has, in my opinion. And he coached, um, he drilled, he implemented a vision, uh, you know, a three-year plan. And each year he upgraded uh, and now, you know, they're looking like an absolute machine that um, are going to decimate 
everybody this season and take you know Liverpool's first um, Premier League trophy in you know forever. So um, I think that Brendan Rodgers is you know would be a would be a fantastic hire, um, but I, I I don't I don't think Arsenal have uh, have got the luxury of time on this one. So um, names that we know of are definitely being pushed Arsenal's way. Carlo Ancelotti, um, brilliant manager in his time, but it does feel like you're buying um, you're buying out of the 2010 bin um, with Carlo Ancelotti. Um, he was outsmarted by Unai Emery last season when Unai was going through a very bad run in the Premier League. Um, I mean, it was easy um, against Napoli. Um, he took he took over. Um, uh, a Sarri side and made them more beatable. Um, I don't think he did a very good job there at all. Then you've got um, the big backroom team that he'll come with. You know, he's he's one of the old school managers. Brings in eighteen of his friends, and then when you have to inevitably fire them, your 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 bill is eighteen million. And look, Arsenal don't want to be doing that, and that's not the way football's going. But you know, he'd bring people together. Um, I, I'm sure that he'd have us playing better football than we play right now. But, like, really, the way the game's going, I think you need to be a, a lot smarter than, you know, where Carlo Ancelotti is a manager right now. Then uh, then we've got uh, Mikel Arteta. Uh, I think that, you know, he's he's he, he's an exciting candidate. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not... I'm not I'm not going to be ashamed to say that I, you know, I, I think the the future of football is having a is having a manager that um, that thinks about the game differently. And I think that Mikel Arteta knows Arsenal. He's uh, intimately familiar with the goings on behind the scenes. I think that he's got a good re- reputation with um, a, a lot of the people behind the scenes. There, I think the. Uh, he, he's got a, a relationship with Permatasak, or I think that they were signed in the in the same transfer window. Uh, he obviously did a great job and impressed people last time because he got through to the the final two and uh, you know was nearly hired. He's been at Manchester City. He's being accredited with taking a, a lot of the training sessions. Huge amount of responsibility on his shoulders there. Uh, I, there's. The, the data side of things that he would have picked up, uh, Manchester City, there's the Pep Guardiola IP. I mean, just remember, like Manchester City are a side that won the Premier League by making the least amount of tackles. That is not English football. That is, uh, that, that, that's the next level. That's, that, that's the future. That's what you want at your club. Like, there's no point in bringing in managers that will just get us into the top four. You want to do what Liverpool did with Jurgen Klopp. You know, they took a punt on a manager that had finished seventh and had a horrible, horrible season. And they said, you know, we believe in this guy's vision. We believe in his coaching. And if if we give him time, he's going to give us the future football that we need. And now they've won the Champions League. And I think that that is, you know, that's my... that's that, We can't make a punt on a, on a Jurgen Klopp because... He's not. It's not out there. There's no. There's no Jurgen Klopp on sabbatical, and you know, don't don't get me started on a on a on, a, on Allegri. I don't think that he's in the you know in the same league as um, as Jurgen Klopp, and I think that he would bring us a completely different style of football. And it's certainly not the future football that they're playing over at Manchester City. So, if there was a chance to be had on a, on a manager that would be fairly cheap, um, fairly controllable, um, and 
absolutely dedicated to the job, then I think it's Mikel Arteta because, you know, that, that's, a, that's a guy that has made all the right decisions. You know, he retired from football, took his coaching badges, said no to a coaching job under Arsene Wenger, which certainly would have been the easy route. He said no to working under Pochettino, who was his mate. And then he went and, uh, he went and took the tough one. He went to um, work under a maniac in Pep Guardiola. And now he's sitting next to him. Three years, back-to-back Premier League titles. You are buying winning IP. And there's an opportunity to have that Arsenal one. I just think that that's too good to, um, too good to turn down. You know, look at, look at some of the great managers in the game at the moment, or the great up-and-coming managers. Let's go to um, Gallardo at River Plate. At 43 years old, he is River Plate's most successful manager of all time. He hung up his boots at uh, Nacional um, in Uruguay, took the manager's job, won the league at his first attempt, then took over River Plate, you know, one of the biggest jobs um, in South American football. And he's won everything. And he plays a brilliant brand of football. And now Barcelona are coming, um, you know, knocking on his door. You've got uh, Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, He took over uh, Hoffenheim at... 28 years old, the decision was so baffling that people in the press thought it was a prank. Um, But he's slowly implemented these ideas. Um, He plays plays a a very interesting style of high-octane pressing football. Um, He got got a team that should have been relegated. He saved them in the first year, took them into the Champions League. I mean, like, this is Hoffenheim, a, a team with a, a wage bill of sub-50 million. Like, just think about that as an achievement. That is the next level that Arsene Wenger was talking about. Uh, an, um, uh, an outrageous thing uh, to have done. And, you know, he was only 30 years old. And now he's uh, um, Leipzig. He's, uh, he's taken over a very stable side. Um, he's made them more solid defensively. He's made them uh, more dynamic um, in attack. And they're making an attack on the Bundesliga this year. You know, he's 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 sub thirty five years old. I, I know that there's the the you know the concern that Arteta is an assistant coach, an assistant manager, whatever the term is. Um, like look, this isn't Mike Phelan. This isn't someone in their fifties coming out of uh, coming out from the shadows to manage the team. This isn't Steve McLaren. This is this is a guy that's thirty eight years old. You know, some goalkeepers are still playing football at that age. This is a guy who's got all of his hair, no greys. You know, this is a this is a young, up and coming, precocious talent. And look, if Arsenal, uh, if if Pep Guardiola is fighting over him, if Pochettino wanted him, if Raheem Sterling is on, you know, on record as saying, you know, this is a guy who's helped develop me. If Fabian Delph is turned into a good left back under Arteta, if Fernandinho is thanking. Um, Arteta, there is something there that is exciting. If Manchester City are talking about Arteta as the next coach for them, why wouldn't you want to get in there? What's the what's the point in waiting? You know, people say, "Oh, he should go to Everton." Well, could go to Everton, and his next job could be a really big job. Like, like let's let's buy the future. Let's see what great coaching is. Let's uh, let's move with the with the winds of uh, the sands of time or winds of whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, I think the um, I think the Arteta would be a, a strong move. But again, you know, who knows whether he's going to be um, released 
by the end of the season, um, at what, but like mid-season at least. But um, a, a lot of goings on. Um, I'm sure that that's going to make for um, an interesting game um, watching him in the dugout um, at the weekend. So that's um, that's kind of my managerial merry-go-round. Um, I hope that I hope that Edu is heavily involved in this decision and that he actually has some sort of power at the club. Um, you never know; he's been very quiet, um, hasn't really said a lot. You know, been here quite a while now. We still don't know what his vision of Arsenal is going to be. Uh, and looking at the shortlist, I mean, it's absolutely fucking mad how all over the place that shortlist is. You know, you've got attacking, free-flowing football. You've got pragmatists. You've got, like, pragmatist counter-attackers. You've got every sort of variation. So who knows where we're going to end up. But my hope is that we end up with future football, something possession-based, something that's about, uh, like, owning territory, something that's, you know, using space to create mistakes, uh, something that's palatable, something that gets me out of bed on a Saturday morning, something that brings a bit of joy back um, to the club. And ultimately, like you look at some of the youngsters that we've got at Arsenal and it's like, we cannot waste this generation of youth on a hack. And I just think that that's, that that's the big risk that could happen. Unai Emery was a bad decision from the start. I think that if we'd done any due diligence on him, um, we would have veered away from him. A bad mistake. Raul cannot be allowed near this decision. He has to let the experts crunch the numbers. He has to let them listen in on the interviews and they have to make a mistake, you know, they have to make a decision um, based on something more than, you know, who, who Raul knows. Like, let's make a decision on who has the best ideas, who gets people the most excited and, you know, who has the, the cojones to take Arsenal onto the next level. Anyway, um, hopefully we'll have um, some news in the next two weeks. Arsenal have got to move fast. I don't think that we're going to hire into uh, the shit show run that we've got. I would suspect that any announcement um, will start on Jam 1, but I I might be wrong. Um, But I think Freddie Lundberg certainly extended out... um, Extended out his run as a manager. Did a great job. Let's hope that he can do a good job against Manchester City. Look, um, it's exciting times ahead. Let's hope that we make a good decision. And um, fingers crossed that the future is beautiful football um, and uh, we're not crying into our pillows come what may. Uh, Thanks for listening. Um, If you're on iTunes, click that five star. It doesn't cost you anything. And I'm not hitting you with a Patreon. And next week, we'll be back with the final podcast uh, of this year in New York because I'll be in London over the Christmas period taking in some games. Uh, and, you know, hopefully I get to see a new manager. Certainly never seen Freddie Lindberg. And, um, you know, maybe I'll get to see the, the, the first game of a, of a different type of manager. Anyway, I'll stop rambling. Uh, and hope you enjoyed the pod. Speak to you soon. Ciao for now. Hey, it's John. You want to look and feel your very best? Visit the team at Cool Contours. They are the number one cool sculpting provider in Virginia. Their award-winning team of certified cool sculpting elite and cool tone specialists work with you to create a fully customized treatment plan to achieve your dream body. Learn more at cool-contours.com. That's cool-contours.com. As ranked by Allergen in June 2021, cool sculpting leaves FDA clear to visible fat bulges in nine areas of the body. Some common side effects include temporary numbness, discomfort, and swelling. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.